Hey friends, thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments on the topic faith and praise. Thank you so much for joining in for another episode today. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments on the topic faith and praise. And our scripture is going to be found in Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And the scripture says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. In this passage, we hear about the faith of Abraham. Abraham was promised a son by God when he was 75 years old, and he was past the age of conceiving a child. But even still, Abraham maintained his faith for God to deliver on his promise. Not only in addition to Abraham's age, we also face the issue of Sarah's age, her advanced age and her barren womb. Yet even still, Abraham maintained his faith for years before God provided him a son as he promised. Listen to how the Passion Translation reads verses 20 and 21. It says, He never stopped believing God's promise. For he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. Abraham did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning his promise. One commentator wrote about these verses saying, Faith is defined as confidence or trust in a person or a thing, a belief that is not based on observed proof or evidence. Abraham had no proof other than God's promise to him that he would have a son. According to his and Sarah's advanced age and her barrenness, it was physically and naturally impossible. However, he still continued to unwaveringly believe and trust in God's word to him. In fact, with every passing year, his faith grew stronger rather than weaker. The scripture tells us that Abraham grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Guys, there's something powerful when we mix faith and praise, when we glorify God while we're waiting on our answer. As a believer, faith is the cornerstone of our relationship and our salvation through Christ. It's faith that helps us face the problems that we all encounter in each and every day of our life. Faith helps us to overcome adversity. Faith helps us when we have problems piled up against us. It's by faith we walk the rocky terrain of this life. So today I want to give you a few points on the power of faith and praise and what that can do in a believer's life when we activate it. The first point is that faith is the cure to all our fears. Abraham and Sarah, for example, likely face fear in their lives. It's reasonable to assume that in spite of their faith toward God, when they left their home country following God's command, they likely faced some type of fear. Sarah, too, when the promise of God came about a son, likely faced fear when her and her husband continued aging with no son in sight, as God had promised. And in fact, fear is something we all face each and every day, and it comes in many different shapes and sizes. We may experience fear of the unknown in our future. 
We may experience fear of bad health or fear of lack of prosperity, fear on how to pay the bills when when they're due. Fear is something that comes to us in in different seasons in our life and in different types of uh, manifestations. We we just face fear all throughout our life for many different reasons. But God doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So if God doesn't give us fear, then we know fear is an attack by the enemy in an effort to diminish God's faithfulness in our lives. He attacks with fear to get our focus off of God and onto this world. The enemy loves to use fear because it's such an easy weapon of attack. 25 years had passed before God gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac, yet we get frustrated when we pray for a couple days and don't see an answer in sight. Fear could have easily gripped Abraham and Sarah as the years went by before God delivered his promise. And in fact, we might argue that fear was present for a season. In an effort to kind of help God's promise come true, we read that Sarah offered Abraham, her servant Hagar, to conceive the child that God had promised them. Sometimes our fear in the absence of God stepping in when we think he should causes us to want to take matters into our own hands. And that's human nature. We can't help it but try to get our hands in the problems and try to fix the situation that we're facing ourselves. Yet by doing so, we have a tendency to strip God of his faithfulness and instead say, don't worry, I'll fix the problem on my own. Now, sometimes God answers prayer through our actions and through the actions of others, but there are also times where God just wants us to sit back and watch him intervene and to have faith that he will take care of us. When we try to fix our problem on God's behalf, that only breeds more problems for us in our future. We see this as an example In Genesis chapter 16, Hagar births Ishmael, and Sarah starts to harbor bitterness towards Hagar after conceiving Ishmael with Abraham. But God never asked her to do that. She offered up Hagar on her own and thus created a problem for her to deal with. Fear, despite the fact that we all face it in our lives, when we let it control us, that just represents the absence of complete and total faith in God. We've all been there. We all face fear at certain points. But there is one key antidote to fear, and that is the absolute faith in God. Isaiah 41, we read, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with the right hand of righteousness. The absence of complete faith breeds fear. But conquering fear with the addition of faith in our lives creates liberty. We find liberty when we focus on our faith more than our circumstances. In this life, we're going to face many trials, but we must maintain our faith. And as we go through the trial, we must never forget to offer up praise along the way. Abraham didn't know when God would deliver on his promise. Yet throughout those years before God delivered, Abraham's faith continued growing as he gave God the glory, according to the scripture we read in Romans 4. It's through our faith we please God. It's impossible to please God without faith, right? And we read so many testimonies of faith throughout the scripture. We read about Abraham. We read about Moses and and how he refused to be linked with Pharaoh and instead chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And we know what happened as a result. He was able to pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. He was able to witness God's glory on Mount Sinai. We see faith when Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days. We see faith when when Rahab draped that scarlet thread out of her window. 
We see faith with David when he faced Goliath and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel when he endured the den of lions. We see faith when the woman with the issue of blood said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. We see faith when the thief on the cross asked Jesus to remember him in paradise. And as a result, there's a reformed thief in heaven today. When we activate our faith, something miraculous happens. We reach heaven when we tell God and the world that it doesn't matter what circumstances we are facing. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. But we believe God will hear us. We believe God will deliver us and and restore us and rescue us. That's the faith that conquers fear. In spite of the fear that these heroes of faith might have faced, they all endured because of their faith. Job 23 verse 10 says, But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth pure as gold. It only takes faith the size of a mustard seed to tell your mountain to move, and it will get out of your way. Don't you love that comparison? A mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds, is used as an illustration in this scripture because it doesn't take mountain-sized faith. Thank God for that because sometimes I don't have mountain-sized faith, and I know you may not as well. It just takes faith the size of a mustard seed. And I believe God's looking for people with that kind of faith that believe in verses like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's faith right there, isn't it? And when we're facing those type of seasons in our life, God wants us to praise Him as we go through those seasons to activate faith and praise in our life. Which leads me to the next point, that point number two, that Christians today not only need faith to conquer fear, but we also need faith and boldness in order to stand. We see this in a scripture that's, uh, that illustrates this point that I'm trying to make in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have just started their ministry, and in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit healed a man through Peter and John's ministry. And by chapter 4, they're being told by the religious leaders of that day to no longer teach and preach about this man named Jesus. And in Acts 4.13, we read, and it says, Now when they, talking about the rulers of that day, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And the scripture continues to say that, uh, the rulers asked them to, or told them rather, to no longer speak of Jesus anymore. You, c- you can't teach or speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It's nothing new for the church to be persecuted. But Peter and John decided that day that they can't not speak about Jesus and the things which they've seen and heard. It's the power of our testimony that perpetuates faith within the body and within the world. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So today, we must be urged to not lose our voice, to not lose our testimony in the midst of the noise and chaos outside in the world. We must be emboldened to stand when everyone else is telling you to sit. Today is the day that the church must rise in boldness and refuse to be silent. We've got to continue perpetuating the gospel in love. I don't know about you, but my mind's made up. I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. I'm not going to stop praising Jesus. The world can ridicule me if they want, but, you know, we have something as the body that the world doesn't have, and I wish they did. I wish they knew, but we have Jesus. 
We have the king who stepped out of eternity into time and took on the cross, the cross that should have been for me, but instead he took it on for me so that I can live with him in eternity. What a God that we serve. Circling back to Abraham, he had the boldness to stand in faith as well. But, you know, Peter and John stood in a different kind of boldness here. They refused to back down. They refused to stop teaching about Jesus. They refused to be pressured by the rulers of their day to sit down and to shut up. That's the kind of boldness the church needs today. God, help us be light that can be seen and salt that can be tasted. Help us to speak to a broken generation in a spirit of love, not hate. Help us be witnesses to someone out there. Help us to effectively communicate that you, God, still heal the brokenhearted and you still bind up the wounds. Help us to communicate that you are still the Savior of the world. Help us to stand against persecution as well because whether it's here now or whether it's coming, you know, depending on what part of the world you live in, um, help us, God, to stand in the persecution. Help us to be effective in our generation for your glory. That must be our prayer. And the third point, no matter what kind of trials we face, no matter what circumstances that we have to endure in our lives, we've got to continue to praise him through our trials. We've got to praise him on the mountaintop and praise him in the valley. And there's something supernatural that brews in the heavens when we mix faith and praise. It's easy to praise God when everything's going our way, when we get the good report at the doctor, when we get the new house or the new car, when we get that promotion or that raise at work, when we know all of our bills are paid. Those are the easy times to praise our Lord. But what about when we get the bad report at the doctor? What about when we have more month left than we have money? What about when we don't get that promotion at work? What about when everything is coming against us? In those seasons, we need to praise Him in spite of our circumstances because of who He is. And I'd argue that this praise is so much more effective because with this praise, we're not just praising Him because of His hands or because of what He's given us. At this time in our life, when we offer up praise, we're at our lowest point and we're praising God anyway. At this point, we're calling those things which be not as though they are, and that is faith praise. We're not looking at his hands in this season. We're looking for his face. We're praising him despite what is coming against us. We're, we're praising him no matter what the report is at the doctor. We're praising him no matter how terrible we feel in our mortal bodies because we're praising him simply because of who he is. And I'm not saying we don't do that when we do get the rewards or when we do get the blessings from God, but when we don't have anything to kind of pep us up, that is true, true blue praise simply because of who he is, not because of what he's done for us. But, you know, if he does nothing from now until the day we die, he really did it all on the tree, right? He really accomplished it all when he went to Calvary. And because, simply because of that alone, he deserves our praise from now until we take our last breath. And I know we can all look back over our life and see where God has intervened time and time again. We can look back and see where God has provided the provision when it seemed like all hope was gone. And we should praise Him for those times. And I believe God will still provide those things for His children in the future because the Scripture says He daily loads us with benefits. God has just been so good to us. If He does nothing else, he just, he just accomplished it all, and, and this is faith praise. This is powerful praise. We're not praising them because everything's going good. We're praising them no matter what circumstances we're facing in our life. When he, when he gives us a benefit, when he 
provides a provision, yes, we should praise him. But sometimes when the answer is no, we should still praise him, right? And it's harder to do that sometimes, isn't it? We see this in Acts chapter uh, 16, uh, starting in verse 16. We read about Paul and Silas. They've kind of picked up a groupie. They're they're preaching and teaching, and um, there's a soothsayer that's following them. And, and, and Paul, becoming annoyed after many days, turns and casts the demon out of the girl in the name of Jesus. And when the soothsayer's masters discovered that the hope of their gains were gone, they captured Paul and Silas and brought them in front of the authorities and... In verse 20, we read that these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. That's what the magistrates are saying about Paul and Silas. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge... He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. There's a couple things I want to call out here. Notice that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. There's something powerful about that phrase to me, because at midnight is when it's darkest. At midnight is when we are at our lowest point. That's when we get the bad news. That's when we get that terrible phone call. Paul and Silas were at a midnight at this moment, and you know they've just been beaten and thrown into jail, but instead of soaking in their misery, which would have been a humanly natural response based on what they went through, instead of moaning and groaning, which we could all relate to that, right, they... They instead chose to start up the choir practice and start praising God. And they activated the power of faith and praise as a result. Not only that, but notice that it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners heard them. They just got the snot beat out of them. They were just thrown in jail, and instead of soaking in their own self-pity, they decided to start praying and praising, and the prisoners heard them. In spite of our pain and our agony and our negative circumstances, when you praise God, people are going to notice. Imagine the testimony here. The world will say, how can you praise God when you just went through such a terrible situation? How can you praise God when you just got beaten up and thrown in jail? But there's always someone watching, and there's always someone right on the outside that is aware of your circumstances, and they are watching to see how we're going to react. Use that moment to glorify God. Look at Job as another example. Job had one terrible day. We read that in Job chapter 1. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his children. And Job could have been overtaken by his grief and anguish. And I'm sure he faced grief and anguish. There's no doubt about that. But he didn't focus so much on his circumstances. He instead chose to use that tough situation and turn and look to God as the author and the finisher of our faith. He looked to God as the provider. You know, no matter what happened to him, he still praised God. And at the end of Job chapter 1, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is faith-based praise. In spite of what he went through, which surely he had a tough day. I mean, I'm sure he was very... uh, 
grief-strucken and, and upset, but he instead chose to respond by blessing God and by praising God. And that's the same mentality that Paul and Silas tapped into when they were in prison. In spite of their beatings, they praised God, and the prisoners took notice of their praising. And not only that, but God took notice of their praise as well. God noticed the sacrifice of praise after getting beat up and thrown into prison, yet God still delivered them out of their storm at midnight. Sometimes we have to go through this storm to see the sunshine once again. We're not told that this life's going to be easy. We're just told to hold on to Jesus and to praise him along the way. The world's not going to understand it, and they never will. The world expects us to curse God and die like Job's wife charged him to do. The world's going to come to us like what Job's friends represent in his story and tell us that whatever happened, we likely deserved. And the enemy's going to whisper in our ear that whatever happened, you likely deserved. And sometimes God will chasten us when we mess up. I know that. I know that sometimes we do make mistakes and God will correct us through chastening and through discipline. But other times things may happen just to test our faith. Sometimes things may happen just to see, just, you know, to, to test us and see, you know, are we going to trust in God more than, you know, looking at our circumstances. But no matter what we're going through, we must have faith to conquer our fear. We must have faith to stand in a, in a persecuted uh, time, and we must have praise for God no matter what we're going through. No matter if it's sunshine and roses or if it's dark and gloomy, we've got to praise God along the way. Amen. Friends, I, I apologize that we did not release an episode last week. We decided to do an impromptu week off, <laughs> um, but uh, we're back now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that it blessed you in some capacity. Friends, stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.